Well, everybody, it's so good to be back here. Can you believe it? It's uh, seven years since I, this is my first time stepping back to this church, seven years. <laughs> you know, I'm so happy to see all of you here and particularly so glad I see so many of our Young people, in my, in my days, you know, many of you were serving, you know, in the youth, you know, in the young people's section, but now you're rising up to be leaders of this church. I'm really proud of you. And I think, and I believe with all my heart, Amokyo Methodist Church got hope. <laughs> well, anyway, welcome again to all of you, and particularly for those of you who have joined us online. Um, let me just do the preliminaries, uh, so now you know that I'm the, the peeler. Okay, uh, so I need to do all the necessary. And first, let me just uh, bring you greetings from all our 20 other churches from our Trinity Annual Conference. They call it TRAC for short, okay? And today also on behalf of all our sister churches, we want to wish all of you here a blessed 43rd church anniversary. And this morning, I'm particularly very thankful to your PIC, Pastor Anthony, and your leadership here for extending this kind invitation to me to come back here to preach to all of you here. And so, uh, it's really a privilege, okay? Well, my scripture text for this morning is very short, okay? Just one verse, but don't let this, uh, you know, this, uh, deceive you into thinking that it's going to be a short sermon. <laughs> But don't worry, okay, I believe that whenever the word of God has been preached, the Lord himself, you know, will excite you. And I want to believe also that there will be a word in season for all of you here by the time we leave this place. So let me just read this one verse down here, and I'll be reading from New International Version. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 15. They keep saying to me, where is the word of the Lord? Let it now be fulfilled. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Truly, we're so thankful. Amid this COVID-19 pandemic, we're still able to come as a church to worship you. And particularly this Sunday morning, Lord, as we celebrate the 43rd anniversary of this church that you have birthed. Thank you for your grace and your faithfulness that has been on this church for so many years. And now, Lord, even as we continue to give you glory and to worship you through the listening of your word. Once again, we ask that your spirit is just fall upon each and every one of us, particularly with your preacher here. And we pray, Lord, for both preacher as well as listener, that whatever we do this morning, Lord, that we will heed your word. And so may the grace, may your grace come upon us to take away all distraction and help us to listen well. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you look at this next uh, slide down here, I can't remember, I, I don't know whether you remember, just recently only, okay, uh, about this particular doctor here. On actually 9th of October, this news article, on the 9th of October 2017, this Singaporean doctor by the name of Dr. Yo Sao Nam, he was accused of outraging the modesty of a 32-year-old woman patient in his clinic. And you know, for the next four years, for the next four years, it was a nightmare for Dr. Yeo as he had to endure the distress and the shame and embarrassment of being publicly accused of you know, sex crimes that he did not commit. And eventually, early this year, 
In fact, only about a month, a month plus ago, August 16, he was finally vindicated and was given a discharge by the courts as a woman admitted at trial that she was lying. And in a public statement that Dr. Yo issued after the verdict, Dr. Yo said this, that he was vindicated by the grace of God. Now, I'm not sure if Dr. Yo is a Christian, but I assume he is. But I believe that all those four years that Dr. Yo you know, had to go through, he had been praying earnestly to God and has been desperately wanting to hear a word from God. And I could imagine, you know, how difficult those four years must have been when all that he received was silence. No word from God. And even if he had received a word from the Lord, you know, he would have been struggling also. Maybe the word of God has given to him that God will vindicate him, but those four years must be especially long because no word came from the Lord. It seems like God, you know, His Word was just moving like a snail pace towards fulfillment. It appears as if God's Word had frozen in time, making themselves null and void. And you know, I'm sure the last four years for Dr. Yeo had been years where he often wondered, where is the Word of the Lord? Where is the Word of the Lord? You know, like Dr. Yeo, this crucial question, where is the Lord, where is the word of the Lord, is one that comes from the prophecy of Jeremiah, the one that I just read to you. And to provide you some context, you know, Jeremiah was prophesizing in the final years of Judah before God, you know, judged the nation of Judah and sent them into exile by having them destroyed by this ruthless group of people called the Babylonians. But prior to this, you know, years before, Jeremiah... He had been warning and prophesying to his countrymen about the judgment of God falling upon them unless they repent. But Jeremiah's warning, you know, fell on death years because nothing had happened so far to the people. All the judgment that he prophesied had not happened. And so by the time we reached Jeremiah 17, you know, we see his countrymen mocking Jeremiah and asking him, Where? Where is the word of the Lord? Where is the word of the Lord that you prophesy? You know, I don't know about you. But I feel for Jeremiah. Do you know what it's a feeling like, you know, when you are trying to tell someone the truth about something and yet they don't believe you and instead they turn around and they laugh at you or mock at you? Do you know what's a feeling like? I know. I remember years ago, you know, I had a colleague in ministry. I tried to warn him about a certain individual whom he was working with, but because of my own personal encounter with that person, not a pleasant one, and so out of a good heart, I tried to warn my colleague so as to spare him the unnecessary, you know, negative experience that I went through. It wasn't pleasant, but you know what? Instead of appreciating what I've been trying to do to him, he turned around and said to me, I was jealous because they had a great relationship. You know, I felt really hurt that my efforts and my concern for him were ignored and rebuffed. And so I could understand Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah was nearly 20 years old. He was nearly 20 years old when God called him to be his prophet. And he continued in that office, you know, for the rest of his adult life, some 40 years or more. And for the most part of his prophetic ministry, you know what? No one listens to him. 
How's that for being a prophet of God? Now, I can't imagine 40 years of preaching and no one listens to you. I can't imagine if one, one moment, you know, there were times, you know, when I'm preaching, when I was here at Amokyo as your pastor. <laughs> Remember when I preached all those serious sermons and I look over all the cross of face here. Now your mask, I can't see. La. <laughs> but in those days, I can see all the date pen looks, you know, looking at me, you know, particularly Kim Sia. Is he here today? <laughs> Uh, joking, joking, okay. But see, I mean, yeah, you know, I can imagine you know, how anxious, you know, I mean, I felt fearful and anxious. I can imagine Jeremiah all these years, you know, he preached all these things, nobody listened, you know. So, in fact, by the time we come to this Jeremiah chapter 17, you know, the people of Judah had hardened their heart against Jeremiah's warning. You know, in Jeremiah, we find the turmoil of a real saint struggling to be faithful to his calling and to the word of God. You know, at times, you know, Jeremiah was lonely because he told the truth as he saw it. And you know, the truth is not always popular. And then at times, you know, he swinged to the election. He was depressed because the truth that he spoke was against his very own people. And like many of us, I'm sure, you know, Jeremiah took no delight to be a bearer of good, of bad news. Who wants to be a bearer of bad news? We all want to be bearers of good news. And at times, you know, Jeremiah, I believe, was also feeling frustrated because he felt so stupid and perhaps even upset as people were ignoring and brushing him aside and not taking him seriously as none of his prophecy had come to pass yet. And so out of frustration, perhaps Jeremiah also cries out to, to the Lord, Where, where, O oh Lord, is your word? Where is the word of the Lord? You know, perhaps there's some of us here this morning, or perhaps you're joining us online worship. You could understand what Jeremiah was feeling and going through. Maybe perhaps some of you here, you know, going through, you're going through a bad situation as a result of this COVID-19 pandemic. Maybe you have lost your job. Your business have gone bust. But as you pray and you read the word of God, you receive a word from the God. You know that God will bless you and with a new job and God will restore your business. But now almost six months have passed. And there is still no good news in sight. You're still jobless. And your business has gone bust. Or maybe there's some of you here who are experiencing a relational problem. Maybe it's a spouse who had gone bad. A spouse had gone unfaithful. Or perhaps children who have turned to be rebellious. And you have received the word from the Lord that, you know, your spouse and your children will turn out A-OK. And yet, it has been months. And perhaps to some of you, years. The word of the Lord has still not been fulfilled. In your life. And so you feeling like Jeremiah. You cry out to God also. And you ask the same question. Where is the word of the Lord? Anyone knows what I'm talking about? You know one of the factors that few of us take into account. When we pray and ask God to do certain things. Or when we receive a revelation. A message from the Lord. Is that how long it takes for that vision. That request or that prayer, or the word of God to be fulfilled. Now, of course, we all understand, we know that God does act, and He can answer our prayers instantaneously. However, most times, like a seed growing secretly, you know, God works through 
and in the ordinary and slow-moving processes in nature, of nature and of human history. And this is the case with Jeremiah's prophecy. Did you know that Jeremiah had been prophesying for 40 years? And it was only towards the last years of his life that he finally saw the word of God being fulfilled when the nation of Judah was finally destroyed by the Babylonians in the year 586 B.C. You know, 40 years for God's word to come to pass and fulfill, it's a long time to wait. You know, one of the things that we can learn from Jeremiah's prophecy is this, that you know, there's often a large span of time between the moment of God's revelation and the moment of fulfillment. Let me give you a few examples, you know, from the Bible. You know, you think of Noah, for example. Think, for example, you know, when, when Noah just received the revelation that God was going to destroy the entire earth by flood, and he instructed him to build that ark, did the flood happen soon? It didn't. Noah had to prepare. He had to preach. He had to build a long time before the flood came. And all the while, while he was doing this, you know, he, he, here, he faced a jeering crouched jesting of an unbelieving wall that mocked an old man for building a boat in the middle of a desert. Or think of Abraham and Sarah. Remember Abraham and Sarah, they were far beyond their childbearing years. And one day God appeared, you know, to Abraham telling that he will have a son. But you know, that promise was never fulfilled. And in the son Isaac was not born until 25 years later. And in the meantime, you know what happened to Abraham and Sarah? They were just wandering. They were wandering nomads in search of a place called home in the wilderness. And finally, we think of David. Remember, David was just a mere teenager. You know, when God told him to the prophet Samuel that he would be the next king of Israel. But you know, many years passed between the moment that Samuel anointed him and told him that prophecy in his father's house. You know, to be precise, it was 17 years later before he was crowned king of Israel. But in the intervening years, you know, you know David was hunted like an outlaw, and treated as an outcast in his own land by King Saul. You all remember those stories. And so we learned that often there is, oftentimes there's often this span of time between the moments of God's revelation and the moment of God's word being fulfilled. And so as we go back to Jeremiah, we learned at the beginning of his ministry, you know, Jeremiah had received this message from God that because the people of God had forsaken God, God was going to destroy them through the hands of the Babylonians. Now listen carefully. Listen. God, however, did not hastily pronounce judgment upon Judah. You see, God had labored too long in establishing a people that he loved to hastily bring judgment upon them. In fact, God reminded them in Exodus chapter 19, 4, he says what? He says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle wing, eagle, eagle's wings and brought you to myself. But you know what's the trouble with the people of God? They kept forgetting and they kept being unfaithful to God. And even after a series of apostate kings, you know, that had come to the throne, a number of prophets known as well as unknown that had arisen to warn Judah of her sin, 
you know, time and time again, you know, but what happened is this, they keep forgetting. And they continue to sin against God by forgetting to honor Him and to keep faith with Him. And finally, God's patience was exhausted. Finally, God declared, enough is enough. And that was when He used the Babylonians to destroy the nation of Judah. You know, one of the things that we can learn from the way of how God dealt with His chosen people in the Old Testament is this. That God is a God full of grace, full of love, compassion, and patient towards His people. You know, I often hear this, you know, that people tell me that the God of the Old Testament that they read is always, you know, very judgmental, very vengeful, lacking in grace, unlike the New Testament God who's also loving, so kind, so compassionate. But let me just say this. Look here. Nothing can be further from this truth. We can see here from from Jeremiah's time here, how slow and patient God was. From the time he pronounced a judgment upon them, it was not 40, it was 40 years later before he brought forth the word in fulfillment. You see, my point to you is this, the, the God of the Old and the New Testament is the same God, always full of grace, full of mercy. You know, and he, because why? He desired no one to perish. And one of the wonderful lessons that we can learn from the way God dealt with the nation of Judah is this, is that how blessed all of us are that God's words, word of judgment is not hastily given or fulfilled. Because if it were, to be honest, a number of us here will, here will not be here today. That's the truth. You know the trouble for most of us, especially Christians, you know, most of us... You know, we all have this tendency to send people to hell much quicker than God. <laughs> Isn't it? Huh? We're not happy. So go to hell. Uh. <laughs> you know, a story once told of Robert, an atheist, you know, Robert Ingersoll, who after finishing a lecture on the non-existence of God, you know, he took out his watch from his pocket and then he declared to the audience, I will give God five minutes to strike me dead for the things that I have said. And they waited. The minutes ticked, you know, slowly as he held on to the watch and they waited. And the audience waited like what seemed like eternity. And finally, Ingersoll decisively put the watch back into his pocket and he said this. That proved his point. God doesn't exist. And so later what happened was this, you know, when the Reverend Joseph Parker heard about this particular incident, you know, he replied, and did the American gentleman think he could exhaust the patience of God in five minutes? You know, the point is this, that God is always patient with us, particularly when it comes to judging us. He's slow to judge. You know, when we think of the grace and the patience of God, and especially on how far and often we have, we ourselves have fallen short of the grace of, of God or the glory of God. Aren't you glad and aren't you thankful to realize how blessed we are that God is slow to exact His judgment on us and He's particularly patient with our foolishness and our stupidity? In case, lest some of us forget, 
that justice delayed means that it's non-existent or that we can presume that because of God's mercy, you know, the word of God, you know, is not effective. But let me remind you, although God is slow to exact its fulfillment, its word, it will come nonetheless. Galatians 6, 7 reminds us, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reap what he sows. And so remember too that whenever God gives his judgment, he always gives us time to repent. When the judgment of God comes, when he eventually comes, it is almost always because time after time, he gives us opportunity to repent. And yet we fail to do so. We fail to heed his word. And that's where when God will finally say, enough is enough. You know, Jeremiah didn't have the patience or God's eternity, eternal perspective. And that's the reason why he grew anxious with God. He was anxious for God's word to be fulfilled. However, Jeremiah at the same time, you know, he was conflicted because he was not delighted at the thought that his people were also suffering for their sins. And that was the reason why, you know, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Because he cried so often. Talking about crying, I'm reminded Pastor Fox says he cried so much for me in my farewell here, he got no more tears ready. <laughs> uh, meditate on Jeremiah, he will teach you how to cry. <laughs> anyway, you know, he was known as a weeping prophet and he cried often and grieved. Why? Because of the wrongdoing of his people. Because it pained him because of the message of judgment that he brought. Jeremiah anxiously waited for the vindication of that prophetic word at the same time he delivered. You know, you know, he began his ministry, ministry, some estimate, you know, somewhere around 627 BC. And Jerusalem did not fall until about 586 BC. And that's roughly about 40 years or so. And in those 40 years, Jeremiah consistently preached a message about the coming judgment of God upon Jerusalem. 40 years is a long time to believe and to declare anything without seeing it being fulfilled. 40 years. You know, it's a long time to predict that something's going to happen without seeing it happening. 40 years is a long time to stand by yourself, being persecuted at times, mocked at times, misunderstood at times, and totally ignored and disregarded at times. You know, 40 years is a long time. To proclaim an unpopular prophecy or state an unpopular message in the face of overwhelming opposition. But you know what? Jeremiah was faithful all these 40 years. He was faithful all these 40 years despite all the difficulties, the challenges, the opposition and the troubles that he experienced in serving the Lord. He did not give up. Now herein lies a very important lesson, another important lesson that we can learn from Jeremiah about serving God. And that is, remember, that God has never called us to be successful in our ministry when we serve Him. Instead, God has always called us to be faithful when we serve Him. You know, as a pastor, I've seen far too often how easily people give up serving God because of difficulty, because of challenges, because of opposition they face while serving God in a ministry. You know, in 1952, Mother Teresa began the work for which the missionaries of charity have been known since. And you all know Mother Teresa. 
Her order received permission from Calcutta officials, the government, to use a portion of the abandoned temple to the goddess of Kali, the Hindu goddess of death and destruction. And with that property in a particular temple, Mother Teresa founded this charity called the Kaligat Home for the Dying. And she and her fellow nuns, you know, would gather people, Indians, dying Indians from the steep, off the streets of Calcutta, and then bring them to this home to care for them, to love them, you know, during the day just before they die. And in 1974, Mark, Mark Hatfield, an American senator, was touring Calcutta with Mother Teresa, and he visited the house of the dying. And he saw with his own eyes sick children being cared for, you know, and the dispensary where the poor line up by the hundreds to receive medical attention. And she, he just watched Mother Teresa, you know, and all her other people ministering to all these people, feeding them, nursing them, you know. And Hatfield was, even though he was not involved in the whole process, he was just an observer. He was just overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of the suffering that Mother Teresa and her co-workers had to face daily. So one day when he had an opportunity, he went up to Mother Teresa and asked a question. And the question is this, Mother Teresa, how can you bear the load without being crushed by it? How can you bear the load without being crushed by it? Now listen to what Mother Teresa said. Mother Teresa said to Mark Hatfield, My dear Senator, I'm, called to be, I'm not called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. I'm called to be faithful. You know, today as Amokyo celebrates its 43rd anniversary, you know, anniversary is a good time to always be reminded, if not for anything else, one simple fact, and that the church, this church in particular, Amokyo Methodist Church, will not be where it is today if it was not for the faithfulness of all your, all your past leaders, your pastors, and the congregation before you. And my prayer, my hope for this generation, and I do believe you all have hope, as I've said to you before. I see so many young people down here in my time, you know, you were just running around, some of you, you know, playing in the background, but now you're coming to the fore. Amokyo has hope, but just remember this. You will face hard times. You will face opposition. But don't you ever dare give up. God has not called you to be successful. God is not asking you to make Amokyo, you know, the mega church. He's not calling you to do that. He's just calling you to do your work, to be faithful to Him. And if you do that, I believe in all my heart, Amokyo Methodist Church will still be around 100 years from now. And maybe even stronger. And I say, look back, you know what they're going to say? As they look into this generation, it's because of you guys that we are here. And they can say, thanks. Thank you for all that you've done. And so my friends, be faithful. Be faithful. You know, for the life of Jeremiah, we can yet learn another important lesson. And that is, let us also remember, greatness and truth often go unrecognized in their own time. Let me say that. Greatness and truth often go unrecognized in their own time. And we see that happening, you know, time and time again in history. For example, think of Martin Luther King Jr., the great American pastor and civil rights leader. Remember, did you know that, you know, 
When Martin Luther was alive, his true prophetic stature was not easily recognized. But today, everybody knows who's Martin King Luther Jr. But when he lived, you know, King was branded as a communist by the white conservatives and an Uncle Tom by the black militants. And before he died, you know, he was under pressure really from blacks and whites, from the civil rights leadership, as well as establishment of politicians because of his stand against, you know, apart from all the racial in- discrimination, he was raising other causes like his stand against Vietnam War, you know, and also his proposed Poor People's March. So in his days, he had to struggle with all these problems and he was not recognized for his efforts. Until he died. Unless we forget, it is the same with our Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? You think our Lord Jesus had a larger, much larger following in death than when he was alive. You know, historians of that era do not regard Jesus' works, ministry, you know, or death as, you know, as a major thing that was happening. He did, they didn't even think, but you know, today, really, no serious historians. And we got one great historian now here, Reverend Dr. Chiang Meng Shun. <laughs> All right. No serious historian can ever deny the impact and the influence that our Lord Jesus had made. And so, like Jeremiah, like many before him who stood in the tradition of the prophetic truth, they were not popular in that age when they were living, and their message was never well received. You know. And so while they lived, the more acceptable message proclaimed and affirmed by the majority was that Jerusalem was never going to fall, but it would be saved. And so they told Jeremiah, you know, you've been preaching your gloom and doom sermons and depressing people for so many years. You're declaring, thus says the Lord for years, while our message has been confirmed. You know, it has not happened. You better balik kampung lah, balik kampung. You know, where is the word of the Lord? Where is the word of the Lord? And that's a question we also ask. When time is long between promises and fulfillment. And that's a question we ask. When we feel overwhelmed by opposition, obstacles and doubts begin, you know, to eat away at our convictions. And that's a question we also ask when it seems our prayers are not being answered. And when we try to live right, you know, it seems like it's for nothing. And that's a question we also ask when we see wicked people prospering, scoundrels enjoying peace, justice being denied, while good people suffer. Where is the word of the Lord? You know, Jeremiah received no answer to this question. There'd be other times where he had received answers from God, but this time, no. No answer this time. And perhaps the message of Jeremiah to us is sometimes is this. Is that, as, that is, sometimes we have to wait for an answer to that question. Where is the word of the Lord? You know, we have been faithful and have done all we know to do and done our very best. If we have obeyed and believed what we have received from the word of God, to be the word of God for us, sometimes we just have to wait in faith for the word of God to be fulfilled in our lives. It is not ours to know the times or the seasons of God's word, but it is also ours to believe God's word and to trust God to keep his word. You know, in the year 2003, 
I was appointed Amokyo to Amokyo Methodist Church as your PIC after being a pastor only for five years. And if you have been at the farewell service that we had, you would remember that you know I shared and I confessed that it was an appointment that I never wanted to accept because not because of anything, but because I felt so inadequate and I felt so inexperienced. And I really prayed very hard for God to remove that cup from me, all to no avail. But you know, in hindsight, I thank God He didn't answer that prayer. So eventually, I remember on November, end of November, November 2002, the appointment was read by the then track president, Reverend Dr. Isaac Lim, you know, that was appointed here. I confess again, if you don't remember, it was the saddest day of my life. You know, the only comfort that I had was the few weeks before I came to Amokyo, where the Lord spoke to me during my quiet time. And he gave me a promise in Isaiah 55, verses 12 to 13. And I want to read that to you. It says here, You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap at their hands. Instead of thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. And this will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. You know, honestly, when I... Receive this word for the first time. I could not foresee or understand how this scripture would be fulfilled in my life, particularly my time at Amokyo Methodist Church. And I remember I was still walling in self-pity, especially after my first joint management committee meeting. <laughs> I still remember the shock and the surprise, you know, that I had you know, when I entered the meeting, you know, where... I think almost everybody was much older than me. And you know, there was no friendly face. And probably you know, at that point, you know, I, I really felt, I, I was, now I know how Jeremiah felt like. He felt ignored. You know, and I, was, I felt like that. You know, it was cold. It was unfriendly. And you know what? All the leaders looked scary. <laughs> including our own. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can't, I have to be honest with you, okay? I mean, I'm a, what do you call it? A little bit chow <laughs> uh, You know the Chinese saying chow kiang, bak la stick, huh? uh, So I, I, that's the reason I went down there. I, I, because they also experienced, you know, I mean, and, um, and to be honest with you, Kim Sia and Beltran terrified me too. And so I remembered, you know, in my first year at Amokyo Methodist Church, you know, feeling so sad and discouraged. I always cling on to Isaiah 55, 12, 13. <laughs> and I always read it. I say, Lord, when is this word going to fulfill? What joy? What peace? <laughs> but you know what? Somehow, as I continue to labor in my ministry at Amokyo, I forgot about this promise until I left in the year 2014. And I remembered this promise because well, I had to prepare a farewell sermon to you, all of you. Lah. So I got to read my journals. You know, I read, and then suddenly I come across this promise. Eh, I forgot about this. And frankly, to, to tell you, I was surprised myself. And as I read that verse again, this time after, you know, 
12 years. It meant very different things because the very words that I see, for example, he says, you will go out in joy and be let fall in peace. You know, friends, that literally happened. And I believe in part it was because really, you guys are amazing. You know, you love, you cared for me, you supported me as your PIC. And I can tell you, whatever problems and challenges that I faced in those days itself, you know, but because of your love and care that you've given me, you know, friends, that, that, that joy and that peace overwhelm all my other fears, particularly the fear of Kim Sia and Biao Chuan. <laughs> okay, okay, I want to redeem them, okay? Honestly, you know, I tell you, I can't have better leaders than both of them. And I'm really very thankful for both of them who will walk closely with me. And today I could say to you, honestly, you know, that we've become the best of friends. You know, so I really appreciate them. And not only them, okay, all the other leaders as well, okay? So I can't, I can't name you one by one because I've got nothing bad to say about you except the two of them. <laughs> and so my, my, my prayer and you know, to all of you as you celebrate this 43rd anniversary, I pray that the same kind of love, care, and support that you gave to me as your pastor, that you will do the same for this Jiao Gian over here. <laughs> your pastor in charge, Pastor Anthony. All right? Well, you know he's young. He's much younger than me, of course, you know? Yeah. And he needs all your support. So I pray you will give to him. And not only him, but all the other pastors. Okay? Pastor folks, you're looking at me now. I, I didn't forget you. Lah. <laughs> Pastor Lee, I'm guy. Pastor Miami. All right. Pastor Emmanuel also. Love them. All right. Just as you did, as you gave to me. And I believe, you know, when they feel love, you guys are going to enjoy the blessing of this church as well, from their ministry. Well, as I bring my sharing to a close, you know, I'd like to encourage you again, you know, in this season of my time as track president, I have to confess to you, I honestly didn't expect to get elected. And in this season, the Lord has given me the word again from Isaiah. I don't know what happened, you know, every time at an important juncture, I always read Isaiah. Isaiah 43, 1 to 3, it says here, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I summon you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, our Savior. You know, to be honest with you, as I read this promise that God has given me, I'm still nervous. You know why? Because I'm wondering when those dangerous waters, those flooding rivers and fire are going to come. So far, it's not happened yet. <laughs> but I'm nervous. But whatever it is, you know, because of what I've experienced with God through all of you here, I'm confident this verse in this season that God has given to me will be fulfilled in time. And so church, let me encourage you too. If you are struggling in your life and wondering where the word of God is, I want to leave you a word from Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says this. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. 
And listen, and though it lingers, wait for it. It will certainly come and it would not delay. Let me close with just two quick lessons. How can we wait for God's word to be fulfilled? We can wait in the present because we've experienced in our past a God who always keeps his promise. A God who always keeps his word. And so listen, listen, if you have a loved one that had gone astray, if you've done all that you could do and you're still continuing to do, let me encourage you, just wait. Wait for your effectual fervent prayers to work through time. Remember, God loves your loved one as much as you love them. And in time, God will be faithful to bring them to come to themselves and turn their wandering feet back to Him. Some of you, maybe you know, evil is prospering after you've taken the truth or you know a particular stand for what you think it's right. Just wait. Remember, the battle is not yours to fight, but it is the Lord. The Lord will fight for you. If there's some of you are experiencing sick loved ones and you don't seem, you know, they're not getting well. And if you have put their hands into, you know, put them into the hands of the Lord, let me encourage you to continue to wait upon the Lord who does all things well to deliver either in time or in eternity. You know, if life for some of you have been on hold because of this COVID-19 pandemic and you've done everything that's possible to get back on track, let me encourage you to, to wait for your change to come. Remember, Scripture reminds us, weeping may endure for a night, but remember, joy does come in the morning. God always keeps His word. Second and finally, we can wait because we know that God is still in charge. You know, a story was once told of a great evangelist who was at home and came down for breakfast, rather depressed and miserable. And so his devout wife looked at him and immediately went upstairs. She changed into a black cloak, you know, like me or that, you know, all black. Okay. And then when she came down, the evangelist looked at her and rather surprised and says, Who is dead? And the wife replied, God. And the evangelist looked incredulously at the wife and said, No, God isn't dead. The evangelist said, and the wife retorted, I thought he was, by the way you're looking and by the way you're acting. You know, sometimes we, like the evangelists, we do get a little discouraged and depressed. Like Jeremiah, we sometimes do become a little anxious and weary in our waiting. But always remember this. God still lives and he watches over us. And whenever we wonder upon that question, where is the word of the Lord? Hear this. It is in the hand of a God who is awake and in control. So take heart, my friends. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you again for this wonderful opportunity to hear your word. And I want to pray particularly for this church, Lord, and all who could be struggling with hearing your word and wondering where is the word of the Lord that's going to be fulfilled in their life. I pray that this morning you have spoken to them. And so even as you have spoken to them and encouraged them, I pray that your grace will continue to keep them patient. Whenever they feel discouraged, whenever they feel like giving up, 
I pray you come in your mysterious way to uplift them and to help them to fix their eyes upon you and to remember that you are always faithful and that you are always a God who keeps his word. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name.